Welcome to episode 202 with my guest, Gillian callahan Sachere. I'm Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour. Honesty about all the battles in our heads, from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction, to everyday compulsive negative thinking. The show's not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. I'm not a therapist. It's not a doctor's office. It's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. The website for the show is mentalpod.com. Uh, MetalPod is also the Twitter handle you can follow me at. And uh, I should also mention that I've created a YouTube um, channel a while ago. And uh, there are excerpts from the show that we occasionally put up there. And I just put a little three-minute video together. Um, I've always been struck by the how profound the struggle in a sentence surveys are. And um, I put a three-minute piece together that is uh, text excerpts um, of people describing um, uh, how they their thoughts and feelings in the wake of experiencing sexual trauma. It's pretty heavy, but um, I think it might bring some comfort to to those of you who have experienced that and are feeling like you're alone in your thoughts and feelings. Uh, the name of the YouTube channel that that uh, we have is, is Mental Pod, and the name of that video is um, Sexual Trauma Survivors uh, Struggle in a Sentence. I believe that's what it is, or maybe a longer title. <laughs> um, so yeah, go check out the website uh, as well, mentalpod.com. Um, there's all kinds of stuff there, forum and blogs, and you can take surveys. You can see how other people responded to surveys. You can support the show. Um, or as I like to say, you can just go there, stick your thumb up your ass, and go fuck yourself. Which, if you can do that, is proof that you can multitask and you might be ambidextrous. All right. Uh, I want to read an email that I got from a listener who... Um, can't remember how she wants to be referred to but uh anyway she writes uh i'm listening to lena dunham's memoir not that kind of a girl and admits the scandal that lena sexually abused her sister i wondered what you thought about it upon listening to the parts uh, i guess she's listening on tape um or audio God, on tape don't you fucking be a hundred years old um upon listening to the parts that have been ex- excerpted excerpted in articles, the incidents reminded me of various surveys that you read, ones where you tell people to forgive themselves because they were just kids and were simply curious slash innocent. I don't know if that means it was sexual abuse, but they, uh, but that they should forgive themselves or if they should stop beating themselves up because it's within the scope of normal childhood behavior. And I have not read her book, but I have read some of the excerpts that people um, have been talking about. And so I wrote back and said um, that the excerpts that I've read seem like innocuous child play to me. Children explore each other's bodies. It doesn't sound like it was coming from a place of control or hurt, rather a place of curiosity. Um, I also think that people want to find a reason to crucify her because she pushes boundaries with her TV show. And they hate that she probably doesn't conform to their idea of what a naked woman should look like on TV. And that's probably very threatening to them. Uh, I do occasionally find the nudity in her show to be a little distracting or even gratuitous. But I love her writing, her characters, her chance taking. 
and giving voice to a segment of the population that hasn't really ever been given the opportunity or power to present themselves in an uncensored, realistic light. And the fact to me that that her sister is totally okay with all of this and didn't feel uh, abused is um, probably the final proof that, that to me this feels like a witch trial. But I think only the two of them truly know what the answer is is to that and um that's my that's my two cents i want to read this um email that i got uh, i'm going to post this on the website as well and this is from uh ellen w who lives with uh tourettes and a specific type she has i did not know that there are different types of tourettes and hers is called uh, echolalia and um and she's going to be writing a couple of things for us on the on the website uh, about this because I th- I just I want to know more about this and I want all of us to know more about um, what it's like to live with Tourette's because I think it's a really a stigmatized uh, thing and I it I hate that it's the the brunt of uh, of so many punchlines anyway um, this is a slice in her life. Uh, She writes, my alarm goes off, and as I open my eyes, anxiety raises into my throat. I know what I need to do, but all I want to do is stay in bed. But I have to get to work on time, so I drag myself out of bed to steal myself from my ordeal. I have to take a shower. My head is still hazy from sleep as I stumble into the bathroom. I slip off my glasses, thinking about how stupid this all is. And as I set them down on the counter, I realize that I'm speaking... Dumb, 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 dumb. I mutter like a mantra, vaguely recognizing that I shouldn't be calling myself that. I start to make a hooting sound, pushing the air out of my lungs, and my shoulders relax. As I step into the shower, all I can think about is how much I hate this cycle that I'm stuck in. I get stressed about taking a shower because I tick in the shower, and I tick in the shower because I'm stressed about it. I try to hurry up, but my hair is thick, and the battle in my head is going strong. I've tried to contain my tics and swallow them before they leave my mouth, but my hands then start to twitch and my physical tics take over to release all of that nervous energy. Not wanting my hand to twitch at the wrong moment, I prefer to let the sound spill from my lips and keep my body as mine, at least for a few moments. Sounds are easier when I'm alone, small hoots and grunts, but my anxiety is bad this morning and I find myself saying, I want to die. I know what this is. It's my mind's reaction to stress, to think that the ultimate solution, uh, to think of that ultimate solution, and I'm aware that this thought is irrational. But the words keep spilling out from my mouth, and I am stuck in this curtained bathtub, and I still need to rinse the conditioner from my hair. As I finally step out of the bathtub, walking through my cognitive behavioral therapy steps, I'm struck by how heavy this all is. I wipe the foggy mirror off and look at myself through blurred eyes. There's one tick that I know will stop the thoughts, and I don't want to do it, but I watch as my fingers make the shape of a gun. I open my mouth and tap the top of my mouth with my two fingers, uh, pulling my thumb down. I calm down despite how much I hate that motion. I do not want to die, but the spiteful creature in my head that acts up and throws tantrums with my nervous system doesn't seem to know this. I dry myself off, get dressed, and head out the door like nothing happened. I have a life to live that is far bigger than the confines of my bathroom walls. Oh God, I wish I didn't need to take meds. 
flat-out fucking auditory hallucinations. I would literally wake up running from my bed. I'm afraid that I'll pass my anger on to my son. I thought the gunman was my father. Afraid of not being able to make a living. Um, that's probably going to break his heart if he hears it, but that's, that's the truth. They committed him to Bellevue. There was this fear that if I feel this pain, I wish someone could see what was going on and just help me, that it will kill me and I will die and I will drown. You can't think your way out of a thinking problem. And I cried the way that a baby cries. I cried like an animal. It makes me so mad at myself that I do that. The burden of perfectionism. And that's when I got to therapy. Let's talk about that. So I was like, fuck it, I'm alive. I don't give a shit about anything. You are a shining example of what is best about human beings. I'm worried that the uh, Russian militia is coming over the hill. I know that, uh, but uh, Alice, how you feeling? I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm here with Gillian Callahan Sacheray, who is a licensed therapist. I'm actually a therapist intern. Oh, therapist intern. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you are, um, you're based in Portland, and you have a blog called uh, Schrodinger's Cat Box. That's right. Um, we'll, we'll get into <laughs> what the name of that uh, is, is all about later. But you had been recommended to me by a listener. I think we had read a survey on the podcast or something that had to do with pregnancy loss. And um, it's, in many ways, it's a topic that we're in the dark ages here in at least in the, our Western culture, mm-hmm. about how to deal with the, the grief that mm-hmm. women go through. And you've experienced it yourself. Mm-hmm. And when I approached you about possibly being a guest, tell me what went through your mind. Because your blog is anonymous. Right. Um, I was really excited. I, I, d- I had to kind of think about whether or not I wanted to <clears throat> come out as myself. Um, because as a therapist, um, you, you know, you... you, you my, my my primary goal is to take care of people and not ever make them feel like they have to take care of me. And so a lot of times if people know a lot about you or, you know, um, they are people, people care a lot about their therapists and worry about what they're saying and whether it might trigger some them. And I identify myself as a trauma survivor, but I don't really talk about what the, the trauma has been. And um, although, you know, I have had childhood trauma, so I'll sort of identify that and some relationship tra- trauma and kind of, you know, like broad stroke categories. Um, but and I haven't talked about pregnancy loss with any clients. Um, and, uh, and I've, the blog has been anonymous, which has been very, very liberating. But um after this last loss, um, the thing that was the most, um, I don't know, striking or powerful or the thing that I came away with it the most was um, just how much we suffer because of the silence around this stuff. Um, and so um, I think it's great when we talk about it, but I, I didn't, I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to make that a part of my life talking about it so this is kind of the beginning of that it was it was something that i had never really stopped to think about Mm -hmm. um maybe because i'm male maybe because i'm numb maybe because i'm (laughs) whatever but when i read your most recent blog post i got a sense of what it must feel like um it, what is the name of the most recent blog post? Bones, Burying the Bones, the, Part 2? The Closing of the Bones. Closing of the yeah, Bones. Yeah, and I did it in a two-part just because I <clears throat> I feel sometimes that my 
blog posts are too long, <laughs> so I split it up. Um, but uh, but the closing of the bones is a is a ceremony that um, that I did with a with a full spectrum doula in Portland after this last miscarriage. What in the fuck is a full spectrum doula? <laughs> I am so glad you asked that question. Uh, a full spectrum doula, it's kind of a new thing, I guess. I mean, I had never really heard anything about it until this last miscarriage when I came back and um, you know, my my first my first impulse as I'm a therapist, what I know how to do is to go to a therapist. So I, you know, I I miscarried in Ireland and um when I came back and was, you know, starting to kind of figure out what I needed to do to help myself. Um, I hooked up with a therapist and, but I gotta tell you, I mean, I've talked about this shit a lot and, and I say this as a therapist, (laughs) someone who believes in the power (laughs) of talk therapy, but I had talked about it plenty and that was not what was going to get it. And so I just was kind of randomly looking around for something because it's true. Like in all of the interactions that I've had with medical professionals, no one has ever given me a list of resources or, support groups or specialist therapy, nothing. It's like you're a one or a zero. And if you're a zero, then you're kind of out the door, you know, pregnancy. What do you mean a one or a zero? You're, you're from the perspective of the medical system, you know, a pregnancy is a pregnancy and a miscarriage means not a pregnancy anymore. And so you sort of cease to exist in this major way. And it, it's not seen as an event. It's, it's seen it's it's something that didn't happen as a pay, opposed to something that did happen it's something that failed to happen um and so it's just you know they just kind of go oh sorry about that it's really hard and you know your your follow-up appointment blah blah blah, blah. so they think of it as a lack of something as opposed to an overwhelming avalanche of fucking of, shit of fucking shit <laughs> yeah and and that was the experience that i had throughout all of the things that i've been through Um, and I think this miscarriage, it was an unexpected pregnancy. It was one that I felt ambivalent about to begin with. We had just taken in our first foster kiddo. I'm a foster parent. Um, and how many do you have? Just one. Um, she's our first one. Um, and my husband is a musician and so he's on tour a lot. And so I had been, um, you know, when I found out that I, I basically got pre- pregnant within like two weeks of the kid coming into the house, which is what everybody always says is going to happen as soon it's as what you're... happened to my mom. Yeah, yeah. It's, this is like the story that everybody tells you. Um, and um, I was overwhelmed. My husband was on a tour and um, and I, you know, was planning this trip to Ireland, um, which I had been um, trying to get back for like 23 years. And um, is that where your roots are? My family roots, yeah, amongst other places. But I had gone when I was fifteen, and I had met up with a with a friend that we were going to go back together. And I mean, it was just like it's best trip ever. And um, and everybody then, raves about it that goes. I, I don't know of anybody that's gone to Ireland and went fuck that place. <laughs> it's a don't waste your time. <laughs> it's a fantastic. Oh, place. you'll be it, so tired of the lush green and the friendliness by the time <laughs> you get is. home. Oh, it's a, such a bore. Yeah, you'll be longing for rudeness and desert. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, And, you know, like, I wanted this sort of like, you know, I wanted to go drink my face off all over the country with my old girlfriend from, you know, when we were teenagers. And so, you know, hopefully you weren't going to planning on going to 
drink your face off <laughs> pregnant. No, well, no, that's yeah. why I, I was like, this trip had been planned, and then, I, and then I'm knocked up, you know, and I've got this three-year-old, and I'm overwhelmed with parenting the three-year-old, and, and I'm exhausted all the time, and now I'm sick all the time, and... Um, morning sickness? Morning, morning sickness, and you're crabby. I, I honestly... This pregnancy, I don't know what was different about this one, but I was so much more irritable. Maybe having an attachment disrupted three-year-old in your house will make you irritable <laughs> regardless. But, um, but I mean, I, I, the ir- irritation, like, my hair hurt. Like, I was so fucking irritated all the time. And... And so it was just, it was not good timing. Um, but at the same time, you know, we certainly weren't going to do anything about it. We've been, we tried for three years before we finally gave up and it was an oops. And by the time I left, I was, um, I was happy about it. I had settled in, you know, I bought a Irish baby name book when I was over there and, you know, talk to it on Irish roads and, you know, all the romantic stuff you can imagine. And, um, and then, uh, and then, wow, I just realized that you asked me about full spectrum doula and I'm, I'm like completely in a different location. That's okay. <laughs> I've forgotten also. I'll get there. Um, so yeah, so we'd been gone, we'd been there a week and my, my friend that I was traveling with, um, is a nurse in London. I, she grew up in, in Bantry, um, where I met her and, but now she's a, a nurse in London. And so we were traveling together and, um, and I started spotting. Um, we were way out in the boondocks and, and like an hour away from any hospital. So the next morning we went in and and um, and they did the ultrasound and they said that it had been dead for a week. And probably the day that I left, probably the day that I left for Ireland, it had died. And so I had been walking around thinking that I was pregnant and not, I mean, still pregnant. But um in in Ireland, and this is this is where it gets really politically fucked. Um, uh, because abortion is illegal in Ireland, they will not do they will not get rid of the fetus, even if it's dead. They make you wait a week and come back in a week. So they told me it was a Friday. They said, um, "Go away." See if it passes naturally. Passes naturally, meaning like the dead baby comes out of your vagina. <laughs> you know, like it's which really... is a great name for a band. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they have all this great euphemistic crap that they talk about. Those dead babies come yeah. out of your vagina and and go and just see if that happens. They, and if... Kind of, they call it see if the toboggan comes down the hill. <laughs> Something like that. And the Irish people in general are pretty freaked out by like vaginas and, you know, um, but they, uh, that was the worst Irish accent I could have ever I, do heard. You notice I think I it didn't, was kind of, kind of Scottish, kind of, it was really no place. You'll note that I did yeah. not actually yeah. pick it up at all. Okay. Go, go ahead. I digress. <laughs> I digress. Um, yeah. So, so they, they said to go away and see if it happened naturally. And if not, that I could come back in a week and, um, and so I had this horrible choice to make if I wanted to stay on my vaca- my vacation, like because it's going to be vacation now, you know, waiting for to pass a dead fetus somewhere in the middle of fucking nowhere or in a pub or you know wherever, um, or fly home. And all of my medical people back home, and all of the medical people there, and my girlfriend who's a nurse, were saying you can't get on a plane because if it starts to happen while you're in the air, you could hemorrhage and die. So it was wander around the country waiting for a dead baby to come out or um, bleed out over the Atlantic. (laughs) 
And was, you have an attachment disordered yeah. foster kiddo at home and this you know and i've just lost a baby and the vacation i've been planning for 20 years and i mean it was a bad who bad knew day. your hair hurting would be the best thing you had going on <laughs> I, know. I know and oh god and i remember i was sitting they get, they were actually they were so in, incredibly kind to us actually in the hospital they were just loving and 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 and, the, and far more personal and intimate with kindness than than any medical professional I've ever encountered in the states like every all of the the nurses came and gave me hugs like there was this older nurse who just came and like sat with me and rubbed my back and just really kind profoundly everybody that I talked to made a point of putting a hand on me or you know this is in Ireland mm -hmm. which which city were you in In Limerick in the maternity hospital Mm -hmm. in Limerick um they had and they had given me um and it's you know it's it's um hospitals are are hospitals there feel more like emergency rooms here it's just like it's a lot of bustle there's not a lot of privacy and there's just pregnant women everywhere and they gave us a private little waiting room um which was a blessing and um and i was just sitting there just kind of dazed and dead and trying to figure out what to do and um and i'm looking out this window and there's um it was like this the smoking area where and and all the mothers who were in like uh in the middle of labor but like waiting for the next contraction they're they're in their gowns these gigantically pregnant women in their gowns on their cell phones walking back and forth smoking cigarette after cigarette and i'm watching this going wow that didn't that doesn't bother that you know like that that's working out for you and yet i can't carry uh, you know, like, what did you give, tell me the moment that, that they said the baby is not alive and it's been in you for a week? Mm-hmm. What do you think or feel in that moment? Um, well, it wasn't the first time it had happened, and so it was. There how many, was how many times has it happened before? Um, that that has happened once before. I've had three what's called chemical miscarriages, which is like. Um, it starts to implant and then kind of, it's also called blighted ovum. It sort of like starts to implant and then stops for whatever reason. And, um, and then I've had two miscarriages that are almost at, um, like right about to be second trimester. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I think I was, um, there was part of me that, that was just sort of waiting to hear that because I never, um, you know, I think after all that we've been through, excuse me, hope is um, kind of toxic. And so you you, t- you tend to protect yourself from it a lot. And so there was part of me that was already sort of prepped to hear that. And I had had that night, you know, the night before I had started spotting and we had called the hospital and they'd said, come in in the morning and I didn't sleep, you know, obviously. So you felt like you were you were prepared, like it wasn't a it wasn't a surprise. Um. Yes and no. I mean, yes, it was a surprise, but there's it's like this horrible core of 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 just bitter uh, pessimistic like, oh, of course, you know, I knew that. Um, And at the same time, just, you know, you're just internally you're just screaming. No, 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 no. And why? You know, I lay there just saying why why and of course they can't tell you no one can tell you um and um and i think i felt um 
I mean, you die, you die. And there, and this thing inside of you is now that what was, um, hope and dreaming and life and future and plans and, and it's just dead now. And your whole body rejects that knowledge, but knows it at the same time at this weird cellular level. Um, and, um, and, and then it was just all kind of the, the work of trying to figure out what the fuck to do now, you know, and um, trying to figure out if I could change the ticket and blah, 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 all this stuff, figure out where we were going to stay. Um, and I kind of went in and out of this, like, um, I kept telling myself um, something like, I don't even know if I still have the words, but it was something like, um, it, this is just what happened. This is just what, like, like I was trying to give myself a mantra to tell myself in the weeks to come when I, when, when it, when the reality hit and I was feeling lost. Um, like, it's just what happened. You can't, um, you know, you can't be mad about take it, it personally. It's just what happened, which is, you know, that only works sometimes because sometimes you take it fucking personally as hell and want to scream and yell and rage and <laughs> yeah, you know and and disappointment and sadness have nothing to do with logic no not, not a know? shred and it's annoying when people you know i would imagine there's a list of things that people say to someone who miscarried that just makes them feel oh worse my God. like, like you'll, you you'll have it. another one. Oh god at least you can get pregnant that's my favorite one at least you know you can get pregnant are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> There's a whole actually one of my What is it about about that one that bothers you? Um Well, god, it's like uh you you just lost your leg. Well, at least you had a knee one time. <laughs> you know, like that's that's super not helpful. Yeah, I know I can get pregnant and I can't stay pregnant. And now and the and the, and the fucking baby died. <laughs> like and I think that that's the part that has been different in this go around and this maybe I'll kind of meander my way back to your original question a year ago um, I think that's what was different for me this time with the with the help that I got was the first time that I had actually been allowed to think about it like a baby and not just a, a one or a zero or something that didn't happen and, as opposed to something that did so I was um, because in a sense you were doing that already your just your intellect was telling you this is just something that happened. Yes, right, right, and and that's yeah, the I mean, message correct me that if you I'm get. Wrong, no, but that's, that's totally right. That's okay. right, and it's the message that you get from everywhere and everything, you know. And um, chin up, move on, try yeah, again. Buck up, which is several letters of the alphabet away from what you really <laughs> feel like instead, um, and uh, and so and and you don't, you know. There, there's there's nothing there's nothing in the experience that you have and even like you're not supposed to tell until 12 weeks right just and this case. was at 11 weeks uh it was at 10 weeks, 10 weeks. it was uh, but it had died at nine weeks and i was at 10 weeks yeah. um and uh you know you're not supposed to to tell anyone until 12 weeks because then if you lose it then it's shameful or something and this time we actually did announce it earlier than than you're quote supposed to um because we were like, you know, uh, frankly, w w neither of us were going to feel like this was going to 
be a healthy full-term pregnancy until it was actually coming out of me, you know. So we we were like, we're not going to feel safe about it ever. So we might as well just get the joy out of out of you know celebrating it while it's here, right? Did you regret that then? No, I didn't actually. I thought that I would, but I didn't because what happened was that the previous one I hadn't told anybody, and so nobody knew that I had miscarried. I mean, some people like my my family and my closest friends knew. But, you know, like this time we made the Facebook announcement and all that stuff. And and so when when, you know, when I was going through hell in Ireland, people knew that I had been pregnant. And so they knew and I was talking about it, what was happening. And so this massive, massive wave of support, people that I knew, people that I didn't know, talking about, you know, people that I knew asking for prayers and thoughts on their pages. And so, I mean, just like this huge outpouring of love and support and making sure that I got home safely. I had a layover in Chicago and, you know, I had people like calling their relatives in Chicago and standing by just in case I, you know, needed anything or something terrible had happened on the Atlantic flight. And, you know, it was um, talking about it really good. Yeah. Talking about it is always the better option, frankly, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like I think that that's just, you should go into a profession <laughs> like that. I know, right? <laughs> um, but so so anyway, so I so I get home after this incredible experience of awfulness, and um, and I was looking for something more than just talking about it because I it was um, I just was I was more grounded, but I was also more fed up and done with being sad. Um, and so I uh I just started searching around and and the and the, the real pisser is that when you're looking for services support groups or mental health or anything there's almost nothing that's not um through either OB or birth services where like either you know whether you're online or in an office you're having to either literally or virtually walk past a shit ton of pregnant women, you know, and that's re-traumatizing. Or it's through infertility services where it's like, okay, you know, when are you going to get back up on the horse, right? So there's no grief place that's just that, like just miscarriage, just loss and what just happened. Um, It's bookended one way or the other. Um, And I was getting more and more pissed off about that. and, um, And I don't even remember... I, I I wish I I wish I knew what the magical you know the the Google magic was that that finally got got me um, this this uh, full spectrum doula website so full spectrum doula uh, doulas are it's a kind of a new movement in- I had to go into the emergency one uh, room one time and have one of those taken out it accidentally <laughs> slipped up inside me. <laughs> And I said, I was gardening, and I accidentally sat on a full-spectrum doula. And they said, a lot of people, that happens. We understand. But they knew you were lying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. So do you know what a doula is? I have no idea. Okay. So let's start there. So a doula is... Um, it's got six strings, right? <laughs> you just made me snort. That's funny. Um, a doula is a midwife plus, like, um, you know kind of a more holistic um traditional approach to midwifery and childbirth so you know staying with the case afterwards and doing you know 
stuff with the kid and with the it's just more like it's not just like when you're giving birth and then you're done it's just a lot it of sounds like a, a, a lot more kind of emotional spiritual support right right and um and so and full spectrum doulas um are focusing on um service providing service and attending whatever the pregnancy outcome so abortion, miscarriage, giving up for adoption, whatever it is, the idea being that a pregnancy is a pregnancy is a pregnancy and you fucking deserve support <laughs> to be supported regardless of what happens. Um, and the, the woman that I ended up connecting with, her name is Samantha Zipporah. She's awesome. She's in Portland. Um, and um, and it ended up it ended up being uh, so much more of what I needed. Um, it ended up being this incredibly powerful, f- very physical um, grief release that I had never gotten to have before. Um, and the the closing of the bones is the ritual that um, the Samantha's um, mentor Bernadette is a woman that was a a doula in Mexico for many, many years. And, um, and this is a ritual that is done regardless of pregnancy outcome. And with the idea that there's, um, I can't remember what the Spanish is for it. I feel like an asshole because I can't remember, but, um, the idea is that, you know, pregnancy just, you're, you're, you've been opened up completely by a pregnancy and the idea is to sort of close, close back up and, put yourself kind of back together and the the process is um they they wrap you in in shawls kind of up starting with your head and working all the way down and it's tight tight it's kind of uncomfortable but um and uh i don't know i, <laughs> I i'm i'm not a real woo woo person and so this was not where i would have imagine myself being directed to Did you find yourself getting being a little skeptical or kind of feel a little silly at any mm. point or did, were you just like uh, i'm just fucking i'm just going with it the latter yeah i think i, I it feels i feel a little bit weird trying to describe it now like kind of in more in my my skeptic's mind but at the time you know she samantha started talking about it and i was like fuck it sure whatever whatever you think i should do i'll do it because i hurt a lot <laughs> and um and, and and before we get before you go further, I want you to to talk about the emotional state that you were in mm-hmm. in those weeks. How mm-hmm. many weeks did it take before you started doing the the what, mm-hmm. is it called a ceremony? I guess so. Yeah. Um, how many? How many? I think I had been home. I'd been home at least two or three weeks. Okay, and and talk talk about. I'm sure you have a mean part in your brain <laughs> that, was t- that was talking to you. <laughs> what was it saying to you? After the, just sort of in, about the ceremony or just no, in before, general? No, before you got put in contact um, with them. Uh, well, um, the mean part of your brain is, is um, very, uh, you know, I, I was listening to the to the woman who you had on today, and she talked about this as well. Um, Cheryl Klein, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, and she, all, so many things that she was saying. I was like, oh yeah, totally. Um, but you do believe you you sort of develop this belief at this weird cellular level that is almost impossible to reach through logic that um, 
that that if you were a good person you would you would yeah. be able to have a baby and and i you know and i um i've thought about this a lot over the course of all of the infertility treatments that we did and after every one of them failed you know you um you you just um it's like all of the worst voices in your head. It's a confirmation. It's like, see, you know. The universe is protecting you from being a shitty parent. Or I mean, so maybe, what, what, I, don't, I think it's more body, bodily than that. It's more um, embodied. Like, um, you know, I mean, I, I, a big part of it for me was, um, I don't know, I... I, I I I was thinking about this today and kind of trying to encapsulate what what this was about for me and I think um I have to kind of go back to a, a snapshot of childhood I was um um Yeah, you listen to the podcast. I do. I was a snapshot. I was thinking I was walking today in the canyon going snapshot, snapshot and I've got my snapshot. Um and uh um I was, you know, I grew up in a really violent, scary household with a lot of mental illness and a lot of instability. And, um, you know, you and your guests have talked a lot about what that does to self-esteem when you're a kid. And um, the self-blame, the self-blame and the just like just feeling um, like you're just kind of wrong and rotted and corrupted yeah. somehow. Beyond, inside. I did something wrong. I am, am wrong. wrong, right? Yeah. And I was thinking about there were these, there were these. Um, you know, I was I was a wildly unpopular kid and was funny looking. And I actually I saw a picture. My aunt had a picture that I was looking at. I looked like a like a little miniature redheaded Jimmy Durante. Like I was really like objectively awesome. weird looking. Like not even just like <laughs> I felt like weird. No, I was objectively a weird looking kid. I had like safety orange hair and giant ears and this gap in my teeth. And I was just a very weird I'm looking sure kid. I'm sure you loved Mad Magazine. <laughs> That's kind of what I looked like, yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah, and with the freckles and um, and so and you know and we were poor and and my house was scary and I had like I remember that I I chewed my nails and so my my fingers were all bitten to shit all the time and dirty fingernails and bleeding and and there were these um, there were these girls uh they were they were these twins in my grade this was kind of before a lot of the lines got drawn where like where you know there was still some effort to sort of invite the people that you didn't like to your birthday party kind of stuff like maybe like second third grade and um and these girls my god they were twins and they they were just gorgeous like beautiful porcelain skin and you know, blue eyes with long eyelashes and blonde hair. And they were just lovely. They, one of them wore exclusively lavender and one of them wore exclusively pink so that you could tell them apart. And, and they were, um, really wealthy. And I, I got invited for whatever reason, God knows why, but I got in, invited to a sleepover over there. And, and I remember like it was a two story house, but it was like the, the center part of it, the, um, was like all the way up to the, second story and the Christmas tree went all the way up. It was during Christmas and they had like playrooms. They, I think they might've each had their own playrooms. I don't know. That might've just been my recollection of it. And their parents were kind and gentle and not scary. And, um, and everything was just lovely to sort of glow of safety and calm. And, 
and I and I, I it, it freaked me the hell out. <laughs> I remember, I I called. I I knew that I was out of place. I knew that I was wrong. I knew that it was just not. It was like. I was this weird little like orc child at you know in like elf kingdom you know it was like, like it was your debutante as a as a frog exactly exactly <laughs> you came down the spiral staircase and everybody booed like, no I don't I don't remember anyone else having a bad reaction to me I just yeah. remember feeling like um just so lost and and gnarled up yeah. inside yeah that's what i mean is, yeah. is internally, internally that, that just exactly. the picturing of when is this gonna break exactly because there, there's no way i can keep up this front that no. they're gonna discover that i'm not any of these things yes absolutely and in fact i faked a stomach ache and called my mom and had her come pick i, I couldn't hang like i couldn't even handle all of the nice you know i had to go back to where everything was scary and impoverished and you know yeah. unstable like that made sense mom like, pick me up i gotta get punched <laughs> something like that <laughs> is, you know like this is really nice here i gotta go uh and and i you know i think i think about that so often with the with the infertility it's like you know there's part of you that no matter what you do just still believes you know like if i were you know, I think about these beautiful porcelain girls, and they have babies, and you know, and it's not—it's not even logical. It's not yes. even like adult but your, brain. But in your brain, you just yeah. think that's how the, right. the hand was dealt. Well, and the, and that and that, if I were a real girl, if I were a loved girl, if I were a clean girl, if I, you know, like all these things that you that you determine about yourself that are wrong and rotted and corrupted and and because it's inside of your body you know like all of those feelings that you carry kind of in what quote-unquote gut right Mm -hmm. that's what we're talking about it's your gut it's like where all of that lives and so at this very deep on irrational level it's like that's rotted and corrupt Mm -hmm. and, and nothing nothing can grow there because it's because it's barren, you know, like the word barren, the mm-hmm. biblical. And how is the know? baby going to grow in your stomach? Right, right? exactly. Because babies come out of your stomach. Because babies come. The, the stork has given That's you right. the finger, you know. Um, so I think you know, in in the. In those weeks, you know, I struggled with that, and because that's what I always struggle did with. Did you feel like you were regressing and, and, and kind of becoming that that little girl, or just all those feelings were coming back? Had they had they gone away for? They had to have gone away yeah, for a while. For a while, yeah, because we had we had decided to stop fertility treatments, and we had um, moved on and gone on with foster care certification, and um, you know, I. I think, um, yeah. I mean, they do. They go. They go away. They don't always go, completely go away ever, right. ever, ever. But yeah, I mean, in terms of, of, of sort of you know front brain um, consciousness, yeah, I think that they went away, um, and and then you know, and then they come back every time. Okay, I just want a kind of an emotional picture of where you were at before you did the right, the, the, the right, ceremony. Right. Well, yeah, and and in addition to all of that, there's also um, this incredible rage and bitterness, and that that I think was probably for, further to the fore in this time, um, and um, because you know. 
And then, and then did you feel bad for feeling bitter on top of it? Or were you just like, it's okay to be, some it's okay points, to be bitter? I, I think maybe when I was a newbie at all of this bullshit, I might have felt like that. But at this point, it's like, you know, there's nothing you can really do about it. And you're you might as well, you're feeling. you're feeling what you're feeling. And you just try to um, <laughs> try to spray as little of it around as possible. Um, I, I, I love the genius of the brain when it decides to attack you, is it will not only give you negative feelings, but then it will tell you to blame yourself for having the negative <laughs> feeling. It's like, I'm, I'm going to punch you in the face and I'm going to swing around the block, come back and hit you with my other hand. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I think I, I, I escaped that to a certain degree this time just because I've been through this is not my first time at the miscarriage rodeo um so but it was there for sure and i think um i think uh, this time it was it was kind of more focused on on a, on a you know i'm a i'm a old-time activist and so i was getting a lot into the sort of political ramifications of why we don't support women and um you know thinking a lot about the way that the medical system deals with women's bodies and, and you know, either mattering or not mattering. And, you know, I, I, my, uh, my, my rage was very focused into intellectual th- thoughts and, and, um, you know, ac- action. <laughs> it's all about action. Gotta change the system. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, um, and Samantha was really open to that because she, you know, has been, been in the business and knows that that's true. So she was very tolerant of my, you know, like fist waving and stuff. Um, but, you know, and she kind of kept saying, okay, but what do you, what do you need? What do you need? And I was like, no. <laughs> like, how about if shit does not suck anymore? Like, that would be really nice. <laughs> That's what I need. Um, and, um, and then she, she started to talk about this ceremony. Um, do you, do you want me to describe the ceremony or sure. should I get to that later? Okay. Um, Unless you feel there, I mean, I'd like to kind of go chronologically right. in terms of the, um, emotional mm-hmm. you know the emotional arc of so if there's anything along the the way i just kind of want to know what you emotionally went through from from mm-hmm. start to finish so if mm-hmm. we're skipping anything like just kind of fill life fill us in on that <laughs> well if there's anything that goes back to like the birthday party yeah. or the sleepover uh-huh. feel free to track back and because i love when stuff relates to buried stuff from childhood because that's that's the stuff that fascinates me the most yeah yeah well and there's so much of that with this because it is so um it it is first of all it's there's no helplessness like this kind of that i have experienced and i've experienced some pretty significant helplessness but this like can't do this thing that you're supposed to be able to do thing and 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 something too i think about the fact that a baby comes from your core right it comes from the center of exactly of who you are Mm -hmm. you know it's not like oh i got a bad elbow and yeah it's gonna look funny Mm -hmm. and people are gonna it's like it's way inside your body this is the essence of what makes me the yeah. female right in your yeah. mind right well yeah and and i think you deal a lot you know i have i've struggled a lot with the whole like i'm not a real woman thing you know like if i was which you know and i logically intellectually reject out of hand um because i don't think there is such a thing as a real woman or a real man or or people but um but i you know there is this really profound like uh 
alienation, you know, like literal, like I feel like an alien kind of like you walk around and you see people with their babies and you're like, I have four heads and tentacles and I can't do that thing that you just did, you know? Um, and did I don't you, know why. You feel like those those ladies in olden times that had to go to the outskirts of city and sit on the rags when they had their period? <laughs> well... There's a self-esteem builder. Exactly. And so sanitary, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, no, actually, no. Now that you mention that, no, because that is something that I share with women. That's not alienating. This is something that's <clears throat> that's alienating. Like I suppose because they all went, did it together. Well, and that's something that we we all, you know, like most of us do. Most of us have periods and most of us talk about it and bitch about it. And, you know, like that's something that, that women kind of can be open about with each other. And I, that's an experience that I have had that other women have had. and And then this is not like I, you know. I suppose because that's separating, but it's not isolating. Whereas your experience was purely, yeah. purely, purely. Like I'm not, isolating. I'm not even on the outskirts of town on the rag. I'm just like, I'm a Ford, Ford prefect. I'm just stumbled in, you know, like I don't even belong to the same species, you know, and you feel like that, even though you know that it's ridiculous. But that's what it feels like. Did you feel like your husband looked at you differently? Or did, um, how, how did that did it, did it change your relationship to him? And how, how did how did he kind of react? I mean, I can't imagine that you would have married a guy that wasn't supportive, <laughs> and he was a musician musician. <laughs> so I'm sure he's a sensitive guy. Yeah, yeah. I think um, <clears throat> I don't think that he I don't think that he has ever seen me differently. I think the one the one struggle that we've had. And I think it's one that most heterosexual couples have, or even, you know, when I was listening to Cheryl today, the, the, whoever the person is that did not have the baby in their body has a really hard time understanding what that felt like and understanding, um, what's going on for you now that it's gone. Um, and you know, my husband and I process things really differently. And so, you know, he wanted it to kind of have, happened and move on from and you can't you know like it's still happening you know it's still happening for weeks afterwards it's trauma it's trauma it's postpartum you know like nobody ever cheryl said today nobody ever told you told me that that it's it's postpartum because there's been a partum that is now post you know (laughs) like Mm -hmm. um and so that all was going on and and david was having a hard time um you know, in his mind, he was like, oh, I don't want to sit around and talk about it. And I was like, I don't really particularly want to fucking talk about it either. But it's still happening. You know, like I'm actively miscarrying still. Um, and so it can't have happened. It is happening still. Um, is that because the baby was still in you at that point or because you were still in the process of grief and well, going through all that um, stuff? I had a DNC. So the DNC is a... a, a I can't remember the, the the words. Basically, they suck it out. It's what they do in an abortion, and they go in and they they scrape it out of you. Um, and so there was bleeding after that, um, but your hormones are still fucked. You know, your your body thinks it's pregnant for a long time after it's not anymore. Are you still getting morning sickness at that point? Um, no, I wasn't getting morning sickness, but like your your boobs hurt, and your you know your uterus is kind of shrinking, and your your hormones are just going nuts. So, um, you know, my face broke out and, um, 
you know, my, um, even like, um, when, when you're pregnant, you're, there's a particular hormone that, that softens all of your ligaments. And so, and so your hips can widen. That's exactly right. And so when I was pregnant, I had, I have a lot of lower back pain that had basically gone away because of, you know, like, and I hadn't even really noticed it had gone away until I was, you know, woke up with a certain pain and went, Oh shit, I haven't had that in a while. That's because this hormone is now leaving my body and, mm-hmm. you know, my ligaments are tightening up again. So it's like just such literally cellular stuff that's happening that that is impossible to describe to somebody that it's not happening to and and almost on a certain level it's, it's probably too strong of a word but mocking you you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like yeah you're getting all the shit that you could go well at least i right you know suffered through all of this for this beautiful child who's right. in my arms right right and there's no baby in your arms right it's um that's a good way of putting it um so, yeah, so we, you know, we struggled with that for a few days. And, of course, you know, um, there's three-year-old in the house, and <laughs> you can't really, like, fall apart completely. Um, but we, you know, we went through a couple of days of, of um, not communicating very well, and then we just kind of figured it out. And I think, um, you know, I, I f- finally kind of just put all my cards on the table and was like, look, you know, when you lose a baby, you feel like less of a woman. And the way that that translates is that you, you know, as a, as a woman, you think, well, my, you know, my partner must not want me anymore. You know, like you feel like a discarded, like you're not. And, and it's no matter what they're doing or saying, or because you weren't getting the the support that you wanted. I don't know. I mean, I know that it was definitely, there was a conflict of how we were dealing with it. Um, And, you know, my husband wanted to kind of, you know, move, move on in a regimented and kind of um, uh, not very acknowledging way, which is just how it felt safe for him to do. And that was not what was working for me because it was still happening. Did you me. have anger in him for, for that? Yeah, I think I did. I think yeah. I had some anger. Um, do, you, do you still have any? Hmm. I got to poke some things to find out. No, I don't think I do. Okay. He did the best he could. Um, and so did I. Um, but, uh, but you know, and, and, and there, and when you're pregnant, you know, your, your partner is very solicitous of you and the world is, you know, like, Oh, you know, don't lift that. Or, you know, Let like me come get that. every, yeah. everyone takes really good care of you. And, and then all of a sudden they don't anymore. And it's not because people consciously go, Oh, well, that's a piece of discarded shit. I'm not going to pay attention to her anymore, but lo- that, that's just how it is. And you a know? lot of them probably think, Oh, I don't want a reminder of it. So I'm not going to talk about it. Uh-huh. I'm not going to ask her how she's right. Right. Doing. And then you get those people that say the, the, you know, you'll have another one. Uh-huh. You know, the things. Yeah. It's what should someone do when they have a, somebody in their life that that miscarries what how should they approach them what what should they say if they're if they're you know if they have a fairly close relationship um or not well i don't know i mean i think that what what i what i wanted i mean i don't know that i can say you know what you should say or not say but i know what i wanted was to to be um to to grieve together you know that's what I wanted from my partner, from the people around me. Um, and for the most part, 
most of the people in my life were really good at just being like, you know, allowing it to fucking suck. You know, I think that that's the mistake that most people make in any grieving or trauma situation. It's uncomfortable to sit with somebody who's in so much pain. And so we really want to give them something, you know, like make it better, yeah. like this Fix ray it. of sunshine or silver lining. And, and that sucks. Because then it you makes know? you feel ungrateful. It makes you feel ungrateful. It makes you feel isolated and alone. It makes you feel crazy. Cynical. Cynical, you know. Is it <clears throat> a good suggestion for somebody to just come up and say, I just want to give you a hug and yeah. remind you that I love you? Yeah, that sounds great. And just hold them? Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Bring the Kleenex. To hang out. Let's, can we go somewhere and, if you feel like it, have a good cry together? Yeah, totally. I had um, um, some women in my life got together, and without me knowing, um, they, and from like all different parts of the country too, like these women just kind of got got themselves organized together and put together this massive, huge basket um, full of like, like, um, like fluffy towels and smelly soap and wine bottles and gift cards to spa things. And, um, and, and I, and then one of the girls who lives in Portland came and dropped it on my porch and then ran away. And then like Facebook messaged me saying, look on your front porch and I and it's like 10 o'clock at night and and I open the door and I just immediately start bawling like oh my god so like so grateful and so loved you know like um like they see my pain yeah and 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 then it mattered you know I mean so much about having a miscarriage leads you to believe that nothing matters you know um and um and so that was really awesome. You know, people who just, who, who just were like, oh, oh, oh God, fuck. <laughs> you know, like sometimes that is the best possible way. Like that just sucks so bad. Um, and, and that's all. Like, Cause I'm, then they're not trying to fix you. They're right, just feeling you. Right. Exactly. There's a big difference between empathy and sympathy and, and um, and sympathy is very, you know, I, I feel like when you're in that state, you, you're allergic to it. It's like, oh, God, you know, like it's, it's, almost, conde- it's almost condescending on a yeah. certain level. Yeah. And it just makes you feel really alone. And like you can't like you like like it's like you're inconveniencing people with your grief, you know, like um, like um, like you should like you should be smaller somehow in it because you're upsetting somebody they have to fix you you know um it almost it almost feels like a like a parent child relationship you know yeah. what i mean when somebody's kind of doing that and you're like i don't want to feel like a child mm-hmm. i'm an adult but i'm mm-hmm. but i'm but yeah. i'm hurting i think i think we just have a natural Mm-hmm. fear of being pitied mm-hmm. and you know you talk to people who've lost limbs or mm-hmm. have some type of physical struggle and they fucking hate it when yeah. somebody comes up and is patronizing like you know you're a real inspiration to mm-hmm. me and i'm mm-hmm. i know that that person's coming from a well-meaning place um or maybe that's a good thing maybe they enjoy hearing that but i know there are things that they don't enjoy yeah hearing mm-hmm. because it feels kind of 
yeah patronizing yeah and i think it i think it really has to do it's it's the thing the thing that feels patronizing and the thing that i feel allergic to is when it's very obvious that um that it that my grief is so uncomfortable for somebody that they they have to give me a nice thing instead Mm -hmm. of the grief you know instead of just letting it be because there's not because I can't make it go away. You can't make it go away. You know, I I couldn't make the baby stay alive, and nobody else could either. So, so that it just is. It just it, that's what happened. You know, <laughs> like my mantra that I had, um, and um, and anything else is just very um, it's distancing and alienating and isolating and crazy making. Yeah. Um, but that was okay, and you enjoyed the fact that they put that. That basket on your oh on your yeah porch and yeah you, you enjoyed were, that and you felt like you felt seen yeah yeah okay. and I felt um and I, it's funny and I had like I had done some Facebook post about like things I want after a miscarriage you know like like lots of hugs and people you know people who will let me be sad and maybe a massage and uh you know like I don't even remember all the th- like pe- people who are not gigantically pregnant if I could just have a break from that for a little <laughs> bit like you know uh and I, and and I I think there was there was a couple of things on there that were in the basket and they had actually already started this process before I had ever posted that and so it was like oh you did actually read my mind (laughs) put together this amazing thing that was everything that i that i asked for um and uh and so it would be inappropriate to put a plastic baby in a basket and put that on your front porch right (laughs) will this suffice (laughs) that would be inappropriate They're like one of those creepy, yeah. like like dolls, like life size dolls, or like the ones. Yeah, yeah no, nothing like that. Okay. Let's not have. That. I'm just checking. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the next, the next thing? Um, you you. So you went to see Samantha. So I went to see Samantha, and she. And are we skipping over anything? Um. No, I don't think so. I feel like I mean, we got it, a good picture was, of where you. Were, it was a lot of. It was a lot of. You know. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty good picture of where I was. Okay. Um, so um, so she suggests this ritual, and I say, okay, well that sounds woo woo, but what the f ever? And um, and so she had me come to her house, which in itself was a little bit weird for me because I'm a therapist and we kind of don't do that. Um, but uh, but this woman Bernadette was there, and I'm I'm sad to say that I don't actually know her last name, and I'm not sure that if I ever knew her last name, Bernadette's. She does like she doesn't like. Um, She's this little, she's this little hobbity earth spirit person who like doesn't really take money, and um, I think Samantha has finally convinced her that she needs to have some kind of web presence, and like, you know, mm-hmm. she just does it because it's what she does, you know. And um, it's so clear from the post that you wrote that this is a woman who's who was born to do this. Yes, absolutely. This is what she does, um, and and it was, um, and she did a lot of body work on me, and. Um, and and it and that in itself was wonderful to be sort of t- physically taken care of and like touched. that and touched yeah and she's a teeny tiny woman and you know just like lifting me she's t- like ridiculous like ant strong you know right. <laughs> ridiculous tiny person like hugely strong um, and and she, you know at one point after the massage was over. Um, 
I think um, I, I, there had been a, a spot on my foot that was really, really painful. And I was asking her, like, why do you think that that was there, p- painful like that? And she said, um, I, don't, I don't think you're aware of how much your body is holding right now and how, how fiercely your body is hanging on and being like, you're forcing yourself to be all right right now and you're hanging on to a lot of pain. And I started to cry and told her what had happened um, with this. Had she not known what had happened? No, no. Um, Samantha hadn't really told her. Um, I mean, she knew that I had miscarried. Um, but when I told her about Ireland and the bullshit abortion shit and, you know, um, she started to cry and she said, um, she said, no sane people would ever do this to their women. No sane culture would ever allow their women to suffer this way and make and uh, alone. Um, and, um, and that was so powerful to me. Um, because it was so it was like, Oh, yeah, no, this shit is not right. It's not okay. It's not okay that this is what I have been through and the way it's been done. Um, when I read that phrase in your blog, I was like, yes. Yeah. And it, and then I felt a little ashamed that it had never occurred to me. Well, I've, you know, forgive yourself because it had never occurred to me either. You know, like even in all of my rage and, and bitterness, it had never was like, well, this is just the way it is. But but that it's not sane. It's not right. Like it's not. Who the who the fuck does that to people? <laughs> and we don't. And we don't do that for our soldiers coming home either. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and they're two of the traumas that are at the center of our humanity. Our humanity, our femininity, mm-hmm. and our masculinity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and we have no ritual to let go of yeah. that pain. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So go ahead. Um. Uh. Yeah. So. Um. So, so uh, she started crying. Uh, she, she started. Said, I, she's, uh, she's crying. I was crying. We're crying. And, um, and then Samantha came in and, and they started to prepare the ceremony. They, they, they're these long, beautiful hand woven, um, like long rectangular scarves. And they put one under your, your shoulders and one under your hips. And, um, and they're sort of prepping this. And, and Bernadette said, um, something like, Are you ready? Are you ready to, to let go. And, um, and I was not, I suddenly realized that I was not. And that was a surprise. I didn't know. Cause you're, you're thinking about it in terms of like, okay, no, I'm ready to do this because I hurt and I would like to not hurt anymore. But all of a sudden it felt like I was being asked to let go of my baby. And, it, and, and I was kind of shocked by the fiercity of, emotion that came like no 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 i'm not i'm not don't make me um and i started to cry like re- like you know the 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 kind that is like vomiting were you, you know were you were you crying from your butthole that's when you know <laughs> yeah, that's when you know you when you feel that. your butthole flare a little bit that's when you know yeah. you're actually i think i was crying from my vagina yeah. <laughs> like in this particular situation it was not even my butthole it's my actual yeah. like uterus um and uh and and she and oh, god this is so amazingly powerful and i can still f- physically feel what it felt like she she was she came came around kind of to the side of me and she she lifted my 
upper body up and kind of folded me up over my knees um and and just and just like you know basically was sort of encouraging me to to keep it not not calm down but keep it up get it out get it out and and um and it was so god it was so ragged and so rugged and um and i and you know um i i i said I don't even know how to describe. I wrote it in the blog, and now I, I feel like I'm repeating. She took, she took your hand. Yeah, she. I, I said. Um, I said my baby. I was saying my baby, my baby, which which was they were not words that I had previously thought that I had any right to, even you know. But that's what was coming out, and and she um, she was crying, and she took my hand. She asked me um, if I had if I. She said, "Were you at home when it happened? Did you see it? Did they let you see it?" And I said, no. And she said, how how old was it? And I told her, and she took her um, finger and she drew in my hand the size and shape of what my baby would have been. And, and she said, this is your baby. This is your baby. This is how big your baby was. And, and, um, and put, put my baby in my hand and no one had ever let me hold my baby before and um and I, I i it is it is such a tiny thing that she did but it was the most powerful thing that has happened in any of this stuff and um and so i calmed down finally and and um and they started this procedure and uh and that what they do is so that you lie on the floor and there's a woman on either side of you and they pick up the two ends of the shawl they pass it to one another so it kind of forms a knot kind of and they pull as tight as they can and they start with your head they do your head and then your shoulders and then your torso and then your you know all the way down they spend a lot of time on your pelvis um and down to your feet and then back up again and the whole thing is silent and um and it and it i I remember feeling like um like all of the all of the um all of the 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 strength that i had been using to keep my my bones and my body together I didn't have to because the, they were doing it for me you know like I can let go and and I, and if and I remember feeling like um like all my babies were in my body you know and all my babies were I could let them go because because for the first time they were allowed to be real they were allowed to matter and be real and have existed you know <laughs> instead of something that didn't happen they were things that did happen and um and uh and I, I don't even know how long it went on they go they do it twice head to toe and then back up again um and then and then it was over and um and this all happened at burning man <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about how I was naked except for a pair of fur chaps. <laughs> and this was on one of those really tall bicycles because you are from Portland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, actually, um, and I was just cracking myself up briefly in my head because I was before I came over here. Um, I had just I just bought this beautiful new eyeliner, and I was like, I really want. I haven't worn it yet. And I really want to wear my you eyeliner. The worst. And I was like, this is. I didn't wear it. This is okay. not. This is not. It was like thick black, kind of sassy, you know. And I was just. I wanted to wear it because I just bought it, and I was like, you fucking idiot. There's no way you're gonna wear. it <laughs> It's a really, it's the worst idea you ever had. So that, that is one of the most powerful images I've heard in the in the three years of doing this podcast. I hear a lot of heavy shit, um, and it's so nice when I hear something that is heavy but beautiful at the same time. And that is, I mean, I, I don't think two human beings can connect any more deeply than you oh did with God. that with that woman i, I honestly I, it was so uh, i yeah i hate when people call another person an angel but she's a fucking angel she kind of is a total she's a little she's a little earth mother angel person yeah yeah, yeah. um and she was she was so um i think i think the fact that she cried with me for me you know like she hurt with me she went she uh, she went into the pain drawn this the size of your baby in mm-hmm. the palm of your hand mm-hmm. that's like oh no we're gonna face this fucking monster yeah. <laughs> yeah. we're not gonna run from it we're not gonna tell you you've outrun it mm-hmm. you're safe now mm-hmm. it's like no we're gonna turn and look into the jaws of this beast mm-hmm. but it's not gonna kill you yeah and 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 that and and that the 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 gift of it was that um was that it was allowed to be a life you know and Is that's it? weird for me you know like i'm i'm a i'm a pro choice feminist and you know i terminated a pregnancy when i was 24 and i will go to the streets and die for a women's right to do that but you, you, and it's weird like you it's uncomfortable to think like there's part of you that's like, oh, we can't think about it like a life, you know. You can't think about it like a baby because, because of the sort of war that surrounds that. Um, but like you can't have it both ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know what how I feel about that or where I sit with it or where the comfort is there. It's just weird. It's weird, you know. Well, I was a little worried when we were talking about that. That you know, I so want this podcast to be ultimately comforting and uplifting to people but as we were talking half hour ago i i suddenly felt this little bit of oh no what about the women who've had abortions mm-hmm, that are mm-hmm. listening i so don't want them I'm to glad feel that shame you, I'm or glad pain that you brought that up and brought it in because i think um there it, it is one of the things that that is done to us from the outside that you you end up we end up feeling like it has to be one thing or another. Like you either, you know, I've known women who who got pregnant, didn't want the pregnancy, and miscarried two days before the abortion, and and were just as fucking devastated. You know, really, because because it's about, um, I don't know. It's maybe it's. Well, just I suppose there's going to be sadness either way. Right. Right. Either way. Well, and I think you know here here's what my experience was. My, I I. I the pregnancy that I terminated, I'd have never had an ounce or shred of regret. Um, 
even in even in the face of all the infertility there's never been a moment where i was like oh shit i wish i hadn't gotten rid of that pregnancy because now look what's happened or you know now maybe i can't or whatever it never happened because the person who who was on the other end of that chromosome pairing was someone that i don't want anything to do with and never you know i would still be attached to that person and that's a horrifying thought um and i never you know, and I, and I had a great experience. I was, um, uh, really well taken care of there. They, you know, the people were so kind and respectful and, um, uh, there was no shame in it, but even then, you know, your body knows that something happened, you know, something has fucking happened and your body knows about it. And however you process it emotionally, whether, you know, some people regret that they did it. Some people don't regret that they did it. Some people feel like it's somewhere in between. Um, I think that that we we end up being very polarized around that issue. But but I feel like if we like, I feel like the full spectrum doula thing has it right. Let's just talk, like let's it. just talk about like, I don't care what your political opinion is about what you did or how you feel about what you did, your body did something fucking important and you get to have support around it, no matter what. Pain is pain. Yeah, or or not pain. You know, like the, 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 something just happened in your body that is yeah. that is so profound and so amazing and, and, and has so much, has the potential for so much silence and shame around it because mm-hmm. we're women and women's bodies are shrouded in silence and shame. And what happens, you know, you walk around in a female body and you're, you're either commodity or you're, you're hunted or, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a hard body to be in and, and, uh, and, and pregnancy is surrounded with, with secrecy and shame because it's about vaginas and shit and people were freaked out about vaginas, you know, <laughs> like if you talk about, they used to say like in, on, on, a, on a delicate condition or, you know, all these euphemisms yeah. that we've had about pregnancy because we're not supposed to, t- because if a woman is pregnant, you have to make the assumption that she has had intercourse. And that is a terrifying thought <laughs> to the majority of society for the majority of our history. Um, so I feel like we get caught in that, you know, and and I'm I'm glad that you brought it up because um because I don't I don't feel like wanting to have a baby and miscarrying a baby is in any way um I don't I don't feel like that experience internally because I can only speak about myself. I don't feel like that experience negates or denies or shames or in any way invalidates the experience that I had when I was 24. Um Ter- terminating a pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. And the thought occurred to me was you were talking about that of the parallel between that and the soldier who returns and has trauma from the friend he feels he couldn't protect, and also the enemy, mm-hmm. quote unquote enemy, that he had to kill mm-hmm. to do his job because that was the quote unquote right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Forget about all the right. the politics of what is right and what is wrong. I'm just talking about Humanity, what is, yeah. what is. And we just ignore the fact that that guy is in pain. And he, in, in that same circumstance, a hundred times, he would do the same thing again, but he still right. 
did what he did and felt he had to mm-hmm. felt he had to do it like the person who terminates a pregnancy right. but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't feel pain right about some it. shit happened some life and death shit yeah, happened let's set up some fucking shit so people can <laughs> deal with this seriously when it's done with right and when life and death happen simultaneously in your own body like there's no there's no wrapping your head around that and we don't do anything to try we don't death is, is so and i worry on this podcast sometimes oh is this is getting too heavy are we talking about this too much i don't want people to be sad you know it's an epidemic avoiding sadness is a fucking epidemic <laughs> yeah. in our society it really the is. way that we will bury shit because mm-hmm. of whatever and we're not even the worst societies as Mm-mm. far as that you know I'm, t- I'm told the english are it's it's <laughs> it's uh it's like uh you know, in their bones to uh-huh. not to not express anything that yeah. isn't polite and you know that isn't elevator chat, <laughs> except that soccer games exactly. and then all bets. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why soccer games are so. I think that that's true. So I intense think for the same reason that you know in America, grown men are allowed to cry at football games, but nowhere yeah. else. Yeah, and I think if you if you look at the societies that are the most aggressive they're probably the ones that avoid sadness mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. the ones that don't that don't have um some type of structure for dealing with sadness yeah. i don't know if that's true or not but it's a good, it's a good it just hypothesis. i don't know it just popped into my head just and i was like right out of your butt i love yeah, it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what if, if there's uh, a, a woman out there uh, or a man because i imagine there are many men who uh when their partner miscarries, who, if they're super empathetic, mm-hmm. um, need help too mm-hmm. afterwards. What What do you suggest for them? Google. Uh, what, 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 yeah. what do you Google? Uh, well, I, I full spectrum doula is a good place to start. How do you um, spell doula? D o u l a. Okay. Um, and and Samantha Zipporah. Um, is How do you spell her last name? Z i p p o r a h. And she's in Portland, but she's very just like Bernadette, like doing this because it's what she needs to do, and it's the right thing to do, and it's important work. So I'm sure if she, you know, contact her, and she'd be happy to um, to give more information. Right. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think. Um, Talk about it. Yeah, don't 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 be silent. Don't be silent. And maybe seek out the friends of yours that feel good to be around, mm-hmm. that feel safe. Mm-hmm. That um, I don't know. I'm just yeah. Does that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think in every in all of our lives, we have some people who are really good at this shit, and some people who are not so good at yeah. this shit. <laughs> and that's just you know luck of the draw. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I think be around people, talk about it. Um, or just suck it up. Or, ju- or just, just suck it just up. Be a fucking fuck up. Yeah. You know? Be a fucking woman. <laughs> Strap those tits down and march. Um uh, yeah, maybe. Or or not. Um yeah, you know. I like how you said in your blog is you womaned up. <laughs> you yeah. womaned up and you did this. You know? Yeah. Um but yeah, I think uh I think if we if we start talking about it, I mean, I I can't tell you how many women have come out of the woodwork, people that I have known for years and had no idea that they had been through this, elderly relatives, you know, saying, "I never told anybody, but I miscarried," you know, like, um, there there's there's absolutely nothing to be lost 
by talking about it and and you're in and it's a radical act of protest and rejection of the patriarchy bullshit to to talk about it talk about it it happened talk about it anything else you want to add um to that no thank you anything else in your story you want to share um in my story, I don't know where my story goes now. We've got our munchkin at home. Um, How's she doing? She's good. I can't give too much information about her because she's a I, foster I totally kiddo. Understand. Um, but she, um, she is. You know, we, we've. She's foster parenting means that she's not going to be with us forever. Um, but she's awesome. She's brilliant. She's way, way, way smarter than any of the adults put together, which is kind of unfortunate a lot of the time. Um, but she's great. Um, I don't know if we're going to do this again, and the fostering again, or if we're going to move towards adoption or not. I mean, um, I'm really excited about what's happening in my life because of talking about this. Um, so I, whatever the next part of the story is going to be, I feel like there's a lot of doors opening because I have chosen to not be ashamed. I'm so glad that you made that that choice because I think a lot of people, people who haven't even been touched by this issue, um, I think they're going to be more informed, both mm-hmm. intellectually and emotionally, from from having heard your story. I know, I know, I have, I know. Um, that's one of the great things about getting to do this podcast mm-hmm. is people let you into their souls mm-hmm. and you get to root around and mm-hmm. go, oh, isn't that look awesome? At that. That's Over why there. I'm a therapist. It's it's a privilege. It's such it's a privilege. It's a fucking privilege. It can be heavy at times, but um, you know, I think if we uh, recharge our mind, when I say we, I don't mean like I'm a therapist, but we listen to people share sure, stuff absolutely. that's painful. Those of um, us who make time in our lives to sit in pain with people, yeah. But in many ways, it's super energizing. Mm-hmm. You got to take good care of yourself, though. Yeah. Do you take good care of yourself? I do. I've started um, uh, getting a support network of uh, therapists that, that help me. They're helping me with some of the guest blogs that we post, because sometimes people will send stuff that's yeah. it's just too... I'd just be reading too many emails Mm -hmm. and people submitting stuff to post on the website and Mm -hmm. I just kind of get burnt out. And so I reached out to um, Susan Hagen and um, it was a therapist that that we've had uh, as a guest on the show and she's great. And she found a couple of people to help me with the guest blogs and sometimes I'll forward emails to her Mm -hmm. when I'll be like this. I don't I don't feel qualified to Mm -hmm. comment on this or um, I'm at my wits end this yeah. week i can't handle any more dark mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dark stuff and uh, yeah that shit can be it's like um it, it, it's like uh you got like air filters that get that they get clogged, clogged. yeah yeah mm-hmm. but i've gotten really in tune with my body in the last two and a half years and that has been probably the greatest tool that mm-hmm, I have because mm-hmm. I use when you tell yourself you're wrong, mm-hmm. you ignore your body mm-hmm. and your body is your greatest messenger mm-hmm. of what's what's going on. Absolutely. Amen mm-hmm. to that. So that that has has helped. And people want to give you love. People want to support you. Yeah. Let them. Yeah. Let them. 
<laughs> yeah, it's really you hard. Know? It's really hard that's to remember that, especially if you are in the helping profession. It, that's yeah. hard. Who helps you? Yeah. Yeah, it's really it's it's um it's a it's a it's a like one of those like oh you know like I could have had a V eight like hit yourself in the head like oh you're such an idiot you're supposed to let people help you too <laughs> like don't you know that? <laughs> do you want to do some fears and uh, sure. and loves? Sure. Okay. I have them right here. Um, sh- which one should I do first? Let's do fears. Let's do fears. And I'll just try to improvise a, a few. Okay. Um, I fear that the empty place where a child sh- should go will eat me alive and rob me of my ability to be grateful w- for what's in front of me. Wow, heavy right out of the gate. <laughs> she just... comes out swinging. <laughs> um, I'm afraid that I'm a hypocrite because I have moments in my life outside of the podcast where I'm not focused and present and empathetic. And that oh. makes me a, a, a phony. Oh, man, I have that, too. Do you? I do. Actually, I was kind of talking about that with a client the other day about like, you know, I'm really good at listening right here, right now. And when I leave this office, I stick my head up my ass and I can't hear anybody. Yeah, yeah I got that one, too. Um I fear that it is in, it, that it is my own inherent unworthiness that prevents a child from growing in my body. I am afraid that this energy lull I've been having lately is just some serious health issue um, that if I'd gone to the doctor earlier, I could have that it's going to be fatal mm-hmm. and and I know this is my crazy brain talking. No, it sounds um, familiar. And if I had gone t- to the doctor in the last two weeks, it would have just been a simple thing. But because mm-hmm. I've waited so long. Like there's a cutoff date. Like, like there's a cutoff date. If you had called the yes. bill company before this date, they would have helped you settle yes. the bill. But now that that's passed, then you're fucked. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I got that. Um. Um, I fear that someone will be mad at me for something I've said in this podcast. <laughs> Welcome know. to the club. <laughs> Welcome know. to the club. I feel like I did okay. I managed to not yes. say anything like super terrible about anybody. Um, I'm afraid that I'm kidding myself about how addicted I am to my video game. Mm. You know what? I've had some thoughts about you in the last couple of weeks because I've been listening to you talk about that, and and I, I uh, have had those I, thoughts for you. And I, and I have you. a card to give you, to <laughs> someone to call. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Phoenix for you to go visit. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, I fear that I will never get back to Ireland. I fear I will never go to Ireland. My uh, my should... roots are my dad's side of the family. Oh yeah, yeah. They're from, his grandfather came here from. What was the name? Do you know? Uh, back then, their their last name. Oh, was it the same? Yeah, same okay. name. Gil okay. Martin. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, I think my brother went, and I think we're from uh, County Cork. Mm. I think. Could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I'll go and I'll just ask people. I'll just go. <laughs> My name's Paul Gilmar. Do you know where I'm from? <laughs> Probably someone yeah. can tell you. They're good like that. Um, let's see. I, can I just give a high five to the listeners in the UK and uh, Canada and Australia? Um, 
are so fucking supportive of this podcast. Oh, really? That's awesome. When you look at the numbers, the the number of nice emails and financial support they lend to the podcast versus their numbers, mm-hmm. their ratio is oh, is really? off the charts. Really? Yeah, they're so. We're just assholes. <laughs> <laughs> this country as a whole yeah. really about everything um <laughs> i fear that i will fail at everything including this interview <laughs> well you you have not it's been one of my favorite interviews oh awesome thank yeah, you really truly um i think i'm done with fears let's go to loves okay. all right oh i just did a fear you want to do a love yeah okay no you uh i love the feeling uh after I uh, play hockey, like the the feeling that I have right now in my body where um, the interview went well, I played hockey about two hours ago and I got that those kind of endorphins mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. feel relaxed and alert. Oh, I love and, that. And embracing of life. Mm. And I love that feeling where it feels like my, my body, my mind and my soul all are just like, you know how a cat is when it's mm-hmm. relaxed but alert? Mm-hmm. It's that. Oh, uh, you're like a cat. I yeah, love that. I feel cat-like right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, let's see. I love singing songs in Irish to my foster kiddo. Oh, that's sweet. Um, well, speaking of uh, Ireland, I love when somebody does a um, modern version of a traditional uh, Irish song, like the Flogging Mollies or mm-hmm, the Pogues, mm-hmm. and or any any type of um historic music Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they update it and make it relevant i just love the genius in that that's especially if they can make it kind of punkish that's always well the pogues were the they were the granddaddies of that and everyone else is really just in in, 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 uh, what is the word impersonation um i love that i am allowed the profound privilege of sitting with people in their pain I love that I think I just called them the flogging mollies, or did I say flogging molly? I don't know. If remember. I said the flogging mollies, are you going to be really I, embarrassed? I need to go directly from here to get my AARP card. <laughs> But you did, uh, you did, you know, the Pogues are, the, if you quote the Pogues, it erases everything else because all, okay. everybody else that came after is, is, you know. A cheap imitation. Thank you. That's the that word That was the word you were for. looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, How good of a guest would Shane McGowan be? Is he even alive still? Uh, I think barely. I think barely. Um, I don't know where he is, but I know it's not the dentist. <laughs> there's probably a lot of vomit. In his yeah. immediate vicinity. Ah, oh, uh, Shane. Guy. You know, I, I've showed my, I have twin niece and nephew, um, and when they were a few, a few years younger, I showed them a picture of Shane McGowan, and they were like, what happened to his face? <laughs> like, he's a star? Why? Yeah, it's Shane. Um, let's see. On that note, I love that my 13-year-old niece and nephew are the smartest people I know and that they still want to hang out with me. Oh, that's cool. They're not like teenagers really yet. I love having fun with my, uh, with my nephews. I feel guilty. I haven't seen them in over two years. Oh, bummer. Yeah. It's very complicated. It has nothing to do with them. Uh, um, It never does. Yeah. It never does. Kids are innocent, mostly. Um... Let's see. I love that when I take the risk of being open and vulnerable about miscarriage and infertility, people come out of the woodwork to break their own silence and isolation about loss. 
That's awesome. I love that this podcast can be a vehicle for uh, people connecting and mm-hmm. understanding each other more. Mm-hmm. I love that. Awesome. Um, uh, I love that I, even with all of the awful crap that happened, I love that I have the memory of um, standing at the foot of Granny Wales Castle in Ireland. Um, it was She's a personal historical hero of mine and I got to go to her castle. And, and what is her name? Granuel, Grace O'Malley. That's her anglicized name. She was a oh, pirate okay. queen. Okay. I always I'm always thinking about the transcriber that has to transcribe the episode. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's yeah, okay. <laughs> that's a tough one. <laughs> um let's see. I love when somebody comes out the other side of something that was difficult and they not only feel lighter but they can laugh about it and they can see that even in the darkest of dark there's still always that pinpoint of light where mm-hmm. there's beauty mm-hmm. there's beauty in something or at least something fucking hilarious yeah <laughs> which is beauty i use a lot of fucking hilarious in my practice um uh, let's see. I love that my my grief is beginning to mean something and have some purpose instead of just crippling me with rage and despair. That's a great one. Is that it for your loves? You got one more? Oh, I got plenty, but okay. how about this one? <laughs> I love the weirdly farty ambient salami smell that surrounds my weird looking dog. <laughs> let's go out on that one. <laughs> thank you. Gillian, thank you so much. Thanks. Many, many thanks to uh, to Gillian, and um, I've got some some uh, some more emails for uh, you. And, and by the way, I'm going to put that link up to uh, to her blog on the website, and I'm also going to put the link up to that YouTube video that I told you about that I put together um, about the thoughts and feelings of people who um, are survivors of uh, sexual trauma. Um, before I get to the surveys, I want to remind you there's a couple of different ways to support the show. If you feel so inclined, you can go to our website, mentalpod.com, and make a one-time PayPal donation, or my favorite, uh, becoming a monthly donor for as little as five bucks a month. It's super easy to do, and um, it means the world to me, and it's the financial foundation that helps keep the podcast uh, going. You can also... Um, Shop through our Amazon portal. Uh, there's a link on our homepage, right-hand side, about halfway down. Not to be confused with the search box for the website itself, uh, our website. Um, and uh, if you do buy something at Amazon through that, they give us a couple of nickels. And uh, it adds up, uh, especially around this time of year. So if you would consider doing your Amazon Christmas shopping through our search portal, um, that would definitely help support the show. And uh, you can support us non-financially by going to iTunes, giving us a good rating, or writing something nice about us, or both. And uh, also spreading the word through social media. That really, really helps. So uh, any of those things would be greatly appreciated. I think my my uh, microphone is distorting. It sounds like it's distorting. Anyway, um, what else did I want to say? I think that's it. Let's uh, Let's get to some surveys. This is, uh, or actually, um, this one is an email, and this comes from Mindy. And she writes, um, I'm a 35-year-old, quote, recovered eating disorder sufferer and have been, have been for about five years. I say recovered because I don't binge, purge, starve, or over-exercise anymore. I'm not recovered in the sense that I still hate my body more than anything. 
Since I've, quote, recovered, I've filled my anxiety with more OCD issues. Clutter kills me. I've made lists excessively, and my nerves get shot even quicker than ever. I feel so bad for my husband. We just had our first child 12 weeks ago, and I am even more anxious than ever. I hate the way I feel about myself, but I feel guilty about feeling this way, too. I want my daughter to be proud of her mom. I don't want her to see my insecurities and anxieties. I just don't see a light uh, at the end of this tunnel. I haven't liked myself since I was 14 years old and just wonder if I ever will again. My husband, husband wonders if I will ever truly be happy. I'm so grateful for God giving me my husband and daughter, and for that I am happy until... I can find happiness within myself. I just don't know if I will ever truly be happy. And I wrote her back and said, um, congrats on the baby. I can't imagine how stressful all of that must be on top of everything else. I'm going to be blunt. If you really do want the best for your kid, get help now. Don't wait. No parent will ever be able to hide their issues from their kids. A child doesn't have to see a parent engaged in their specific sickness to know something's wrong. Self-hatred, fear, and worry radiate off us. I knew by the time I was five years old that my dad was a deeply sad, insecure person with social anxiety. When he tried to kill himself 20 years later, it didn't surprise me in the least, even though he had never said anything out loud about being sad. Not dealing with our issues also sends a terrible message uh, to our kids that adults deal with things by ignoring them, that asking for help is weak. How you view yourself will be absorbed deeply by your child, especially since you're a mother-daughter. You can learn to love yourself. It just takes work. So ask yourself, is my child worth me going through the fear and discomfort of reaching out for help to deal with my self-hatred and anxiety? You may still not be binging or purging, but, to root, uh, but the root of that illness is still there. The most powerful form of love is when it's in action. If you do learn to be comfortable in your skin, your daughter has a way bigger chance to be comfortable in hers and even a positive role model for other girls. All of us leave a legacy whether we like it or not. Do you have the courage, strength, and humility to ask for help so you can leave a better legacy? I bet you do. You probably just haven't seen it done by a lot of people close to you, so you don't have an idea of how to go about it. I didn't either, but I knew I was going to die if I didn't. Plus, you deserve it. You deserve to love yourself and your body, Mindy. And your husband would probably love to have a wife who finds herself as sexy as he does. And your daughter deserves a healthy role model. You can do it. Uh, go to helpguide.org, and they have a lot of resources there. Uh, go check it out. And uh, I'm rooting for you. This is uh, a survey. Uh, this is an awful moment, and uh, this is filled out by a woman who calls herself uh, Revenge of the Box Snatchers. And she writes, It was before bed and I started to masturbate, one of the only things that will help stop my racing mind so I can fall asleep peacefully. And I was so in my head that night that I kept psychoanalyzing everything I was imagining to get me off, so much so that I wasn't able to reach orgasm. I stopped and was thinking about some of my sexual experiences, inappropriately promiscuous behavior of mine when I was going through puberty and judging myself for it. I recognized that my judgment of my past actions wasn't healthy and decided to embrace it and move on. I look at the TV, which was on in the background, and the cable company has sent a message to the screen, time to restart your box. I couldn't help but die laughing, and yes, Xfinity, I did restart the box. 
This is a survey from a guy who calls himself Asian Tom, and he is straight in his 20s, raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment, never been sexually abused, but he has been emotionally abused. He writes, I'm a Korean adoptee living in the Midwest. My parents are white, and so was everyone else around me. People would make comments or jokes about my ethnicity, and while I acted like it wasn't a big deal, a part of me died inside every time I heard one of those jokes. This started in middle school, where it was probably the worst. High school was pretty bad, too. But since entering university, I'm in a much more ethnically diverse setting, which was a huge relief. Um, any positive experiences with your abusers? The people who usually harassed me were kids I went to school with, and when I wasn't being targeted by racial remarks, I did have some meaningful experiences with some of my peers. I think it made me realize that these people weren't saying these things to be mean. They were just ignorant of the emotional pain it put on me. So I can't say I hate any of the people who said something, but there are people I would definitely avoid coming in contact with again. Darkest Thoughts even after starting medication and talk therapy, there are some days where everything seems normal and for some reason I just think, I should kill myself. It's usually totally out of the blue and honestly, I've kind of gotten used to it, but who knows when that thought might come at a bad time. I feel like I don't fit in anywhere because I'm not white, so I don't fit in with the white people, but I'm totally American, so I don't fit in with the Koreans. As childish as it might be, I think about running away and cutting contact with everyone and starting fresh somewhere with a fake identity. I think about what a piece of shit I am for being depressed despite being raised in a very privileged environment. Well, you know what I say all the time is that there's material wealth and there's emotional wealth and don't ever confuse the two. Uh, darkest secrets. I've cut myself and was never caught. There were two points where I had a gun in my hand and just sat there staring at it for hours. I think I'm a love addict and it's gotten me into bad situations and a bad relationship that I think I'm purposefully dragged out just because I didn't want to be alone. I'm a pathological liar and manipulate slow down Paul and manipulate people for my own good. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. I'm really into incest despite not being sexually attracted to anyone in my immediate or extended family. I dream about having some really hot second cousin or something. And why do you got to go so far out the uh, out on the family tree? Stay near the trunk. It's hotter. <laughs> I did not just say that. And I, Ivy is sickened by me. I don't know if you can hear her stomach gurgling in the background. Um, anyway, uh, I, I dream about having some really hot second cousin or something and fucking in the bathroom at a family picnic. Uh, I'm also into dom sub, and whenever I have sexual fantasies, I'm always the dom. Sharing this makes me realize how fucked up my mind is. Your mind is not fucked up. It is not fucked up. Um, there's a difference between thinking uh, and a acting on things. Uh, and nothing wrong with acting on a dom sub thing. Um, what, if anything, would you like to say to someone that you haven't been able to? Uh, I would want to tell my now-deceased sister that I love her and I wish that I had been the one to die of cancer instead of her. Oh, my God, that is so heavy, Tom. That is so heavy, buddy. Oh, my God. What, if anything, do you wish for? I wish I wasn't so fucking lazy and mentally unstable. I wish you weren't so fucking hard on yourself. That's what I wish. And every person listening to this is wishing that same thing, Tom. Have you shared these things with others? I don't share these things. I'm too nervous about the reaction people would have when they heard about this stuff. I've always been a pretty self-sufficient person and have gotten into the habit of keeping my mouth shut, chin up, and smile on my face. Yeah, And I would say, how's that working out? 
didn't work out too well for me. Um, how do you feel after writing these things down? I feel like shit for being a defective child and putting my parents through everything I have. I'm ashamed of all of these parts of me. You've got to open up to somebody, Tom. You've got to, you've got to get help because this is too much for any person to keep inside. Uh, anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? I wish I could share their burden because that's something I wish I would have had. Thank you for sharing that, Tom. We're all sending you some love. This is from the Shame and Secret Survey. This is filled out by a woman who calls herself a serious lady. She is uh, bisexual in her 30s, raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment. Uh, I would go one further and call it chaotic. Uh, she was the victim of sexual abuse and never reported it. Uh, my memories are hazy. I remember being fingered by an elderly man in a nursing home. Let that sink in for a second. Holy fuck. Uh, it was when her church visited. Uh, she writes, I was four or five, and my mom yelled at me afterwards. Naturally. Why wouldn't you want to blame the kid uh, for sitting on his lap when he asked me to? I also remember my much older brother from a different mom pulling my pants off while my dad filmed it and everyone laughed. I was six or seven. He was about 20. Jesus Christ. My dad used to play the video at family gatherings and laugh. The brother is currently in jail for making and distributing child pornography. Uh, she's been emotionally abused. My dad used to beat me until the age of seven or so. He would make me take off all of my clothes first. I know this because I remember clearly the last time it happened. I got in trouble on a family vacation. I don't remember what I did wrong, but it was usually something impossibly small. I went into the bathroom, took off all my clothes, came out naked, and said, okay, I'm ready for my spanking now. My dad started crying. When I got older, and by the way, I, I witnessed that one time in, uh, in Florida. Uh, it was probably like 1990, and I was hanging out at the pool, and this guy had two daughters who were about that age. And the next thing I know... They are both completely naked and crying, and apparently they're being punished for something. And one was standing there, and I got up and left, and one was standing by the pool, um, and then one was inside the hotel in the stairwell, naked, crying. And I didn't know what to do, because I was like, this is not my business, but in hindsight... I wish I would have just gone up to that guy and said, what the fuck are you doing? You know, or giving the girls a towel or something. But um, that is sadistic. That is fucking sadistic. Um, especially because that guy did it in public as well. I mean, anyway. Um, when I... Uh, my dad started crying. When I got older, he would just scream at me and threaten to hit me. When I was crying because a boy dumped me at 19, he screamed at me, telling me I was a doormat that eats crap. When I was 24 and called my mom on her birthday, I hadn't called early enough in the day and it made my mom sad. I'd left a message in the morning because they were at church. So he answered instead and screamed at me, telling me I was a piece of shit, a shitty daughter. And I remember being 30 and going home for Christmas. I was nervous about playing the piano at my grandma's nursing home, so he started screaming at me, calling me a piece of shit again. This time I challenged him, saying I was an adult now and he couldn't say these things to me anymore. He said, you're not half the adult I am, and everything I am that you hate 
you are too. I haven't gone home since then. Good for you. High fucking five. Any positive experiences with your abusers? I've come to appreciate aspects of my dad's personality, and I feel I understand and forgive him, but I won't ever be able to truly think of him positively. I prefer a lot of distance and to think of him neutrally. I have no feelings towards the older brother except anger and shame. Uh, Darkest thoughts. I am jealous of friends who have healthy, successful relationships because I'm afraid I'll never be able to have one myself. And when I'm dating someone, I invariably feel intense, awful jealousy about their exes. I hate these girls for what I perceive to be true. They are worthy of love and I'm not darkest secrets. I am most ashamed of two things. When I was seven, I used to play doctor with a girl in my neighborhood, take our clothes off, touch private parts. And when I was 12, I smacked my younger brother on the back, open-handed during a fight. He's forgiven me, but I haven't forgiven myself. Oh my God, you are so hard on yourself. You, you have, you should read a book called Healing the Shame That Binds, because you have done what they talk about and what almost all of us who have experienced childhood sexual abuse do is we take on the shame of our abusers and you have done just that and your dad a fucking masterful job of saying the things he wanted to say to himself to you and because you were a child you believed them um sexual fantasy is most powerful to you being held close and kissed and told i am loved by someone who is on my side and would never want to hurt me sharing this makes me cry What, if anything, would you like to say? You know, what's beautiful about that is that there is a part of your soul that is still alive, you know, that that's that's a good sign. And I think if you process all that stuff that happened to you as a kid, um, a lot of this, those poisonous thoughts you have about yourself that were implanted in your brain will begin to leave. And hopefully relationships will become become easier. Uh, what if anything would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to at this point I've said everything I want to say to my mom and dad what if anything do you wish for I wish I could step outside of my isolation and sadness and have a normal loving healthy sexual relationship I think a relationship I think starting healthy platonic relationships in support groups would be an awesome template for you to then bring to a romantic relationship Um, have you shared these things with others? I have shared some of these things with my therapist, but not the ones I'm truly ashamed of because I was scared I'd seem like a monster. There is nothing about you. You know, that playing the doctor with somebody that was your age, there's completely innocuous. And uh, slapping your brother on the back. I think I chased my brother with a knife one time. It was a butter knife, but, uh, and he had a handful of rolls, uh, to be fair. Uh, anyway, how do you feel after writing these things down? I feel like the abuse I suffered is probably worse than I think it is and that I'm probably better than I think I am. I think you're right about both of those things. Uh, anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences, please tell me about them because I feel completely alone. Oh my God, you are so not alone. You are so not alone. That That is what all the feelings that you described and some of the stuff that you experienced Um is so common so common this is uh, an awful moment filled out by a guy who calls himself social anxiety bus driver and uh, he writes when i finally moved 
uh, into my condo and lived there for some time. I got into the routine of relaxing after work with a bath, followed by a healthy salad and doing laundry on days off. That sort of stuff, etc. Um, one night, I got home mentally setting up my night as I walked into the bath and turned the faucet on to fill the tub with hot water. I timed it where it took 10 minutes to fill the tub, and in that time, I can make my salad and pour my wine and let it sit for a bit. I decided to cook a TV dinner. I'm sure you guys know where this is going. I decided to cook a TV dinner while I got time, so I popped that into the oven for 10. The movie Hero with Jet Li played on the TV at which time I was getting really into it while halfway into making my salad. I finished the salad and started cleaning up when water from the tub was pouring out of the washroom. Um, I panicked and ran into the washroom to stop the water, but as I reached it, I slipped and smacked my head on the ground with hot water everywhere. I got up real fast to shut the tap off and went to unplug the tub, uh, but I forgot that it was boiling hot and then slipped a second time and hit my head. I got up, grabbed all the dry towels that I had set aside for after the bath, threw them on the bathroom floor. As the towels soaked the water up, I smelled my TV dinner burning. Oh, that's so fantastic. Let's just say after this relaxing evening, my multitasking efforts have improved. <laughs> I love a good awfulsome moment. This is uh, an awfulsome moment filled out by, actually emailed to me by Ashley, who has contributed to the website before. She wrote a really profound piece about um, being uh, an escort. Um, she starts this off, and just enjoy the first sentence of this awfulsome moment. My pimp fled Alabama after I told him to leave, and he set my house on fire. He had a lead on a scheme his old boss was running somewhere in Texas, so that's where he went. After a very brief, very brief period of no contact, he called and apologized, and I forgave him. I was lost with no job and no home, back living in my mom's spare room. I missed him, and I thought I needed him. I started escorting again and wired his part of the money to him, Western Union, every week. He did actually let me keep some this time, probably because he knew there was no way he could, he could control that being halfway across the country. Soon after we started communicating again, he began to try to sell me on the idea of coming to Texas. I was tempted, being miserable in my current circumstances, but I was scared too. I couldn't really imagine driving so far away from everything I knew to a man I loved but also feared. Still, he wore me down eventually. He used sweetness and intimidation and neediness in rapid succession until I finally relented. I told my mom I was going to visit an old friend from summer camp for a while. I said I just needed to get away from all this mess and clear my head. She seemed to buy it, uh, but was the most worried I'd ever seen her to be when I drove away in my CRV. He was living in a depressing military town in a sad little apartment with another guy he'd talked into leaving Alabama with him. Several other guys involved in the scam they had running were living in the same apartment complex, and their office was in another apartment that belonged to their boss. The apartment was mostly empty with minimal furniture, no TV, and no food at all. In his bedroom, he had a mattress and a beat-up armchair. The day I arrived, I was sick with a cold or something. I felt feverish, had a stuffed-up nose, and a nasty-sounding cough. Larry seemed happy to see me. He showed me around the little town and introduced me to a few people. That night, as we lay sleeping on his smelly mattress and thrift store sheets, I apparently coughed and was awoken by his hand across my face mid-slap. 
He was angry that I was sick because that meant I couldn't work. He was angry that I was coughing because it may make him sick, meaning he would lose money as well. In that moment, I deeply regretted my choice to come, but I didn't really consider leaving as an option, so I just apologized and we went back to sleep. A couple of days after I got to Texas, it was suddenly Thanksgiving. I was a little sad to be missing my family gathering together at home, but after talking to my mom, I put it out of my mind and tried to focus on my new life such as it was. He showed the rarely seen, warm, and thoughtful side of his personality that day and decided that we should buy food and cook it for the other guys, his co-workers, as most of them were alone and far from home. We went to Walmart and bought all the typical Thanksgiving fare, sweet potatoes, green beans, turkey, ham, rolls, pie. We took it back to his place and I struggled to put together a nice meal with an almost completely empty kitchen. I had to get creative, but somehow I managed. We took it all over to one of the other apartments, one that had a little tiny TV and a game system. We all sat around, me and all these hard, street-wise dudes, eating bites of a last-minute Walmart meal on paper plates between puffs of a celebratory blunt, squinting to watch each other play NBA 2K on a 10-inch screen. And for that moment, I was thankful. If that's not awfulsome, I don't know what is. And finally, this is a this is a happy moment uh, filled out by Kate. And it's a, it's a sublime one, but I really like it. And she writes, Realizing that I could say the things I was afraid to say to the guy I am seeing. And not only did anything bad not happen, I was respected more as a woman and a person for it. This is the first time I've felt I could be completely honest in a relationship. <clears throat> and it feels amazing. It feels like being seen, being heard, and not being destroyed. It feels like peace. Thank you for that, Kate. And thank you guys for... Thank you for listening. Thank you for contributing with your emails and your surveys and um, all of the other stuff that you you do. And if you're out there and you're feeling stuck, I hope you know uh, that you're not alone. And there's, there's help if you're willing to overcome that awful fear of saying, I need help. I can't do this by myself anymore. And just remember you're not alone. And thanks so much for listening. Everybody I know is bizarrely beautifully Everybody fucked up I in know some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully Everybody fucked up in some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully Everybody fucked up in some weird way.